Hey, thanks for joining us at Connection Point Church. You know, we would love for you to stay connected and a simple way for you to do that is to subscribe so that each week you can get notified when new content goes live. We'd also love to keep in touch with you throughout the week and the best way to do this is through our Connection Point Facebook page. Now with all that being said, let's go to this week's message with our lead pastor, Zach Maddox. Glad to have you here this morning. I'm Pastor Zach. Shelly and I serve as lead pastors here. If you're new to Connection Point Church, and I will say that was very slick. Whoever came up and cleaned up the drink this morning while I was praying, I spilled my communion cup. Somebody found that. Anyways, I don't know. Dan, was that you? No. Shelly, hey, good work. She's always watching me. <laughs> it's a good thing, by the way. Oh, man. Glad to have you here this morning. We're going to talk about a ready life. And as I was thinking about the passage that we're in, I was thinking about in our community, in our church family, we've got a couple of firemen. Talk about people that have to live ready. If you're at a fire station, uh, readiness is definitely an important part. So I'm going to ask Jeremy Hostetler, asked if he'd be willing to share, because I was curious. I had never really considered, what does it really take to be ready in a fire station? Can we thank Jeremy and for all those that serve our city, police and fire and... Thanks for the sacrifice that it takes to live a ready life. So I just wanted him to explain a little bit from a fireman's perspective, what does it take to, to be ready in that setting? I made some notes. I made some notes. So I know I'm going to forget everything. You're on. You're good. Am I good? Yep. Okay. All right. You don't know how nervous I am speaking in front of I'm people. sorry. This is, this is just horrible. I did try to give him an out. Like, you really don't have to do it. But Jeremy, he's good-hearted. Yeah. Uh, for a couple things here. First, it's, a, it's very much a servant's job. Uh, you really have to have a heart that wants to help people. And one of the things that we do in the fire station is we really live in community. So everyone is held accountable to each other for what they do on a daily basis with the training or your equipment, your personal gear. Uh, and training, we do train frequently because nationwide, about 4% of what we do is fire related. The other 96% is everything else. So wow. if you need something done, if whatever happens, a fireman will probably do it. Wow. Um, so we do have to prepare for everything. And my job is a driver of our engine. And so for the truck, for my responsibilities, I have to make sure that the truck is fueled up and the equipment is clean and it's usable, ready to go for whoever needs it. Our personal protective equipment, our PPE, needs to be in good repair. And we're supposed to have a goal of getting it on and be ready to be on air within 60 seconds. Wow. So it takes some practice to do that. So we have to have our pants ready, our boots, our coats, everything else has to be ready by the truck. That's why you see it by the doors of everything. Hmm. So one of the things that I do is I'm, I just get into the truck and get ready to drive. The other guys get the gear on and when I hear the doors close, as soon as the last door closes, I'm, I sometimes check to see everyone's on board. <laughs> <laughs> and then we just go. So every now and then you hear someone, wait, 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 wait. Okay, we'll wait. Uh, so we always have to listen to. Uh, we'll, if you see a fireman, they have to carry a radio with them all the time because you never know when the call from dispatch will come in to, or whatever accident or a scene that you have. Uh, our entire crew has to stay with the truck as well. So there's a minimum of three guys at our station that we have to have per truck. So whenever the truck goes somewhere, everyone has to go with it. Or if one guy needs to go somewhere, the whole crew goes with them. Uh, 
as we go on scenes, our role as a crisis mitigator, we usually see people at their worst. And uh, in those instances, we have to be a calming presence for people, and we also have to show compassion. If we don't do that, if we're rude, the problem doesn't get solved. We don't achieve our objective there. Uh, fires in the summertime can be really hot. So it kind of goes without saying, oh, the gear you put on is like putting on a snowsuit in the summertime and go around and run around as much as you can. So heat stroke is a real issue. Dehydration is a real issue. We have to prepare for that and take lots of breaks. Uh, last time, it, last thing is the, at bedtime, the last thing on my mind is I have to remember what truck I'm on, what station I'm at, and the place that I'm at, we usually get about two or three runs a night. Sometimes we're lucky where we don't have any runs at night. But we always have to be ready for what can happen, so you never let yourself kind of get into a deep sleep to forget everything from the day. You always go, into, go to bed with the thought that you could be called out at any minute, so your sleep is really never that good. Yeah. But at the same time, you have to be able to wake up and be ready to move when it's time to move, because we do have to get out of the room within a certain amount of time. And one of the guys likened it to what we go through at night, going to bed and waking up and going to bed again. Um, say someone walks into your bedroom at night, takes some pots and pans, bangs it right by your head, and screams really loud, and you have to get up, get dressed, get in your vehicle, then go drive it around the block on the edge of control, come back, park it, go back to bed, and go to sleep. <laughs> so that's, that's what a run at night feels like for us. Oh, my word. I was thinking that'd be kind of a fun drill. I don't know. It is. <laughs> uh, and, I, and I asked Jeremy too, I said, you know, it's, I want you to describe what it is to be ready, but I also, what, what's the consequence? What happens if, if you're not living ready in the fire station? What are the consequences of that? If we're not ready, uh, for instance, say your loved one has a heart attack or a stroke or you get hurt into an accident. Minutes matter, seconds matter, sometimes the balance of a life being saved can be a matter of a minute or two. Mm -hmm. And the earlier we get there to provide care, the better off the outcome will be. Or if our equipment isn't ready, if a hose that we don't know about has a hole in it, we, we test them every year, we go through, we check them every so often through training. If something is broken there, we lose water and the fire gets worse. Mm -hmm. So we always have to be ready. Okay, can we thank Jeremy for sharing this morning? It's obviously important that firemen are ready, but it also is important that we're ready, that we live ready lives in God's kingdom. And so we're, as we continue our series in Luke, we're going to examine a passage where Jesus explains what are the characteristics and qualities of, of a ready life. And so we want to look at those. So if you have your Bibles, hey, I hope you've got God's word with you today. If you're new to Connection Point, we say that because we want you daily in God's word. We always want you to have access to it. If you don't have a Bible with you today, there's one underneath the chair in front of you. You're welcome to borrow it. But I'm going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's word. We're going to be in a little bit longer passage this morning, so we'll stretch those legs a bit. We're going to start in uh, verse 5 of chapter 21, picking up from where we left off last week. And we're going to go all the way through the end of the chapter, because it's all one piece as Jesus talks about his soon coming uh, time. And so we're going to be in verse 5, Luke writes, And while some were speaking of the temple, how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings, he said, as for these things that you see, the days will come when there will not be left here one stone upon another. 
that will be thrown down, that will not be thrown down. And they asked him, teacher, when will these things be and what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? And he said, see that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name saying, I am he, and the time is at hand. Do not go after them. And when you hear of wars and tumults, do not be terrified, for these things must first take place, but the end will not be at once. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes in various places, famines and pestilences, and there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my namesake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Settle it, therefore, in your minds, not to meditate beforehand how to answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be delivered up, even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let those who are inside the city depart. And let not those who are out in the country enter it, for these are days of vengeance to fulfill all that is written. Alas for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days. For there will be great distress upon the earth and wrath against this people. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive among all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And there will be signs in sun and moon and stars and on the earth distress of nations and perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves. People fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. And he told them a parable, look at the fig tree and all the trees, and as soon as they come out and leaf, you see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have enough strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. And every day he was teaching in the temple, but at night he went out and lodged on the mount called Olivet. And early in the morning, all the people came to him in the temple to hear him. These are the very words of God. You may be seated this morning. So last week, if you were here in Luke, where we left off is talking about the powerful and the weak. And what we talked about is so often the path that we're offered in this life through the world is to walk a path that would lead to power and influence. And the way that we could tell whether or not we're walking that path is, are we hoping to be seen? Do we like to be seen by others? Do we have this need to be affirmed. And, and what I kind of talked about with some of those qualities is those are actually God-given desires to be seen, to be affirmed, to want to make a difference with your life. But the way that should be fulfilled is with God. God sees you. He sees you right now. He saw you this week. God affirms over your life you're a child of God, that he loves you, and that he's pleased with the way that you're living your life. We look through scripture and we see these things. So then the question is, well, am I satisfied with that? Am I satisfied with God's affirmation, with him seeing me, with, with him giving me special treatment? And if we're honest, God does that in our lives. 
So we got to be careful. We don't just pursue that path in this world, wanting to be seen by others, wanting to be affirmed by others. But instead, we walk a path that this world would say is weak, a path of humility, where we don't lift ourselves up, but, but God does that work for us. That we live a life dependent upon God. You know, we like to be strong individuals. Our, our society, our culture would reinforce that. So it would look as though we're living a weak life to live a life of humility and one dependent upon God. But God says, it's with those individuals, it's the weak I make strong because then God gets glory in the way that we live. And right after Jesus is talking about this with the disciples and talking about the scribes, beware of the way that they live and pointing out this widow, they're sitting in the temple courts. Then it seems like some in that crowd are beginning to talk about the beauty of the temple, the grandeur of the temple. And and Jesus says, but not one stone will be left standing. And then he gets into a long discourse talking about the end of time and his coming again. And it's from this passage that we can determine how it is that we can live ready lives because he's laying this out for us. And the first thing we find as we look at his description is that we need to be ready. We must be ready for the return of King Jesus. And Jesus says that. He says, keep a watchful eye. Stay awake. In other words, don't be lulled to sleep. And our, our society, our culture has a great way of lulling people to sleep. But he says, stay awake. And he says, and here's one of the ways that you do that. That you can be ready for my return by not being concerned with earthly possessions. Because right away, Jesus says, you know what? That thing which you think is beautiful, that temple, it's one day going to be destroyed, as all earthly things will be. Uh, one of the, uh, the long-term workers that we worked with overseas in the Middle East, so Shelly and I lived in Jerusalem for a little while and worked there and worked in a school there. And, and uh, so the guy that we worked with there, who you'll meet later this year, I always joked about the tours he would give people. So he's, you know, nearly 70 years old. He's lived in the land for 30 plus years. So, I mean, he's seen everything in the land of Israel. And so then we'd have like credentialing teams come out for the school and they would get the, the Ross Byers tour. And I would get, catch up with them for dinner. I'm like, so how was your tour today? They're like, we don't know what to think about that tour because they would, he would show them everything in the land. And then the final spiel would be, and by the way, all day, one, all of this will burn. <laughs> They're like, what am I supposed to do with that? But Jesus is saying his, his earthly possessions will one day pass away. Then we are eternal beings, so we should be living in light of eternity. So are we living that way or are we caught up with earthly possessions? So next year, we're going to take a group of people to Israel. And if you go there today, you can still see some of those stones that in AD 70, what happened, so what Jesus was predicting came true because there was a Jewish revolt in AD 66 to 67. It eventually ended with the destruction of the temple. And Rome went and destroyed it. They threw the stones off of the Temple Mount area. And there's that rubble today. I have no idea how they moved those stones. Like that's some incredible machinery. They must have been Purdue graduates or something. (laughs) But it's incredible to see those stones that are still there today. In fact, you can go underneath the Western Wall to see what were the foundation stones of the Temple area. There's this huge stone. It's like the size of a school bus. I can't imagine how they moved that thing. But even that stone, you can see that they, where they filled in pieces that were broken off. So down to the very base layer, the Roman army came in and destroyed it exactly as Jesus said they would, not even one stone left standing. It's amazing. Jesus knew what was coming. But he was speaking not only to that time, but to our time as well. That everything we have in this life, at one day, it'll pass. And so then how do we live ready lives? We live ready lives not being concerned with earthly possessions. So I was thinking about that phrase, you know, you don't see a U-Haul trailer 
following a hearse. Like, you don't see hearses pulling U-Haul trailers. So I kind of Googled that. So David Crowder, a musician, if you, if you know him, he actually had a Twitter picture of a hearse pulling a U-Haul trailer. And he's like, well, I can't say that. I've never seen a, a hearse pulling a U-Haul trailer anymore. Now, they must have dug a very big hole to have buried that. I'm not really sure what they were doing there. But all that to say, you can't take anything with you. And we can get too consumed sometimes working and living a life in the pursuit of wanting to drive a certain kind of car, live in a certain kind of house or in a particular neighborhood. And if that becomes your goal, then you miss out on the opportunity you have now to live a ready life. So have you made earthly possessions your goal or is it just a part of life? And the way that they can just become a part of your life is simply through a word, contentment. Are you content in life? Are you content with what the Lord has given? Because he is your provider. So we get ready for King Jesus and his coming by not being concerned with earthly possessions, but how else? We, we live a ready life. We prepare for the return of King Jesus by staying calm. As you look through that list of items that Jesus is talking through, like there's not a whole lot of encouragement there in terms of what he's saying is challenging times are going to come. But he says, don't be terrified. In other words, do not fear. Don't freak out. Stay calm. And, and I would say this, all of these points are connected one to the other. If your concern is earthly possessions, it's pretty hard to stay calm when you think that you might lose those things. But if that is not your concern, it's not too hard to stay calm in this life to say, God's got this. Because that's how Jesus can make that statement. How can Jesus say, stay calm when things are looking like there's, there's turmoil, there's wars and rumors of wars and nation against nation and natural disasters. So how do we stay calm? We stay calm because we're not concerned with early, earthly possessions and we understand God is still in control. He is still on the throne. God is in charge. Even when it seems like he's not, he's still there. And do we have that kind of faith and perspective in life? We've got to stay calm. And I'd say we also need to stay calm for the sake of those who don't have a relationship with God and they need to see in someone else calmness amidst some of the challenges we face. That no matter what government official is elected, no matter what legislation is passed, no matter what natural disaster occurs, God is still in charge, he's still in control and he will still win. And that's why we should have confidence because we know how this all ends. We win. So what are we worried about? Lord, help us. I can't tell you how many times I've seen on social media Christians that are just like, oh my word, like you're like freaking out here. And sometimes I want to comment like, what kind of lowercase g God are you serving? He seems pretty weak because our God is strong. He is mighty. And we need to have that kind of God confidence in life, not only for our sakes, but for the sake of people around us. And part of the ability to stay calm in terms of getting ready for King Jesus is, is then also, how do we do that? Well, we have to be willing to embrace hardship. That part of our getting ready for the return of King Jesus is embracing hardship. We have to lean into it. We actually don't run away from it. That part of following Jesus, and this isn't just for leaders or people living in, in persecuted parts of the world, it's for every follower of his. The need to embrace hardship as a part of following Jesus. Unfortunately, for so much of us in the West, we really don't have a theology of suffering. But when you look at the New Testament life of a believer, over and over they're facing hardship. But through that hardship, God does wonderful things. James, the brother of Jesus, he, he writes about this. Here's what he says. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity for great sorrow, for great fear, 
for great what? Well, who's doing that? Yes, Jesus, I love it when I face hardship. Woo! I have yet to see that post on Facebook. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. And that's the point. There is some things we cannot learn in our journey with Jesus except through hardship. I've talked a lot about guaranteed places of encounter, and we're going to continue talking about that. That's part of the reason why we gather on a Sunday. It says where two or three are gathered, I'm there in the midst. Jesus is here right now. And I would also say one of the strongest places of encounter with King Jesus is when you're walking through hardship. If, if you're walking through difficult times, Jesus is there. The question is, are you pursuing and pressing into him to find him there because he's there? I want Shelly to talk a little bit about that. You know what? I thought about this first service. This is a little bit ironic. So I asked Shelly, hey, so one of the points is talking about suffering. Would you mind talking about suffering? And then I also thought, so today's our, our, our wedding anniversary, 19 years being married together. So I'm hoping it's not 19 years of suffering. That was kind of where I was going with that. Anyways. No, it hasn't. Um, but along the lines of suffering, um, just in preparation for this, I was thinking about at the beginning of the year, we invited everybody to use the Read Scripture app for um, just the reading, Bible reading plan for this year. We've really enjoyed it. We're enjoying it. This year we do it along with Nate and it has videos that go along as like an intro for each book of the Bible. And I really enjoyed the video for Job because it's all about suffering. And I feel like any clarity we can gain on the topic of suffering is just beneficial to us. So I love that um, the video on Job, it just, I don't know, it gave me comfort, honestly. And I feel like for this topic, it's good to look at the life of Job. It's good to look at the very end of the book of Job to see what did he learn um, throughout his time of his struggle and his suffering. And what we can find is that Job went to God in prayer. He wrestled with God and God showed up in an amazing way. And he, you know, God showed up, turned everything around and just gave Job a different perspective on how God shows up. So throughout the book of Job, he suffers, he suffers greatly, his friends come along, they're talking to him, they're, they're kind of giving their input, and then God shows up, and then across four chapters, God continues to give questions and, and kind of answers, talking all about how God controls the universe. And he's asking Job, like, you know, did you know this? Do you know that I do that? Do you know that I control the winds and the waves and the seasons and the, you know, the birthing patterns of animals? Like, do you know all of this? And it brings Job to a very humble place to say, God, you're God. You control the universe. I can trust you. And that's the place that we need to come to as well. We can go to God in prayer we can wrestle with God in our hardship. He wants us to come to him, but then in it, we should take the posture of humbling ourselves before the Lord, the God who controls the universe. He's controlling it now. He's aware of everything, and he's also aware of us. 
And in our circumstances, he promises to be with us. And so that's what we can cling to and that's what we can hold on to because so many times we are consumed with our own lives. That's all we can see. It's all we can think of. It consumes our energy, our thoughts, everything. But we have a very limited perspective. And God is over all things and he's aware of us. So it allows us to kind of make those shifts, the necessary shifts to say, God, I can identify that you're, you're over all things, you're aware of all things, and you're aware of me. I feel like it gives us that opportunity to press in to hardship rather than trying to find the quickest way out of hardship. Because God can do a lot of things in a time of suffering and struggle and trial. Uh, in, in the scripture today, it says he, that you can bear witness so that there's certainly other people watching how you process your hardship and how you process your struggle. But that's not the only benefit. It's not always just about the other person. It's about us learning that in hard times, we can press into the Lord and we gain an awareness of who he is. We can acknowledge that God shows up. I feel like in times of suffering in my life or trial or hardship, I feel like my, um, my sense of hearing increases. That there's something about me that says, okay, God, I'm listening. I'm, I'm listening more now than I was before. And I feel like I'm on high alert because at this point in my walk with the Lord, I know the Lord has something to say. I know the Lord is going to be near. Where there was definitely a time where I had to kind of learn that and figure that out. And that happened for me mostly in Sudan. So we lived overseas for a little while. Um, our first assignment overseas was in the Sudan. And Sudan actually has wonderful things to enjoy. I feel like I, I was thinking about talking about Sudan today and I thought, you know, I don't know that I ever shared anything positive about Sudan. And so I wanna tell you, there are great things. Um, a lot of it, we just didn't get to experience. I'll explain that in a second. But two things that stood out to me. One, we used to take these like sunset cruises on the Nile, on these like really large pontoon boats. And they would link up like four or five um, pontoon boats. And we could just kind of do this sunset cruise. The best is when we hit a sandbar. And so then all the men had to jump out of the boat and like push the boat off the sandbar. And then we got back to our cruise. It was awesome. Um, another time we got to go on jet skis on the Nile. And with my imagination, if you know me at all, I'm just waiting for a crocodile to come up, you know, because that's what's in my mind. I'm on the Nile. And of course, that didn't happen. But that was just two fun thoughts that came to my mind. But in Sudan, um, the hard part was that it was really just my first time overseas. And I'm, I'm a young mom. Um, things just weren't going as I had planned. And so I had to make some serious adjustments. But that didn't mean God wasn't in it. In fact, he was all over this timeline. When we moved to Sudan, we needed our visas. So you have to give the government your passport. Well, when you give the government your passport, you're stuck until they give it back. And that process took for about six or seven months. Mm -hmm. So I was stuck. And when really things got so frustrating in my life and in my mind, I was ready to go. And I went to Zach, I told him, I'm done, I'm ready to go. We're packing up, I can pack up this house tonight. We're finished. 
And Zach just played along, you know, are you sure? Are you sure you want to go? Are you sure you're ready to go? Yes, I'm ready to go now. It was really very ugly. And he said, okay, we'll go. Except we don't have our passports. And I mean, you can just imagine, you know, fireworks have no comparison to the explosion that took place in that house. <laughs> and I'm just telling you the truth because I was just at my wit's end. And the big thing for me was to realize that God knew where I was. God was totally aware of my circumstances and he wasn't rescuing me. He didn't come in and make a way for me to easily get away. So I had to press in and say, okay, God, what do you have for me? What's going on here? So many things I learned in that process, two big ones, was that I needed to learn a lot from Sudan than Sudan needed to learn from me and that I could handle a lot more than I thought I could. And the Lord showed up in amazing ways to just show me that he was present, that he was near, and that I needed to come to a new understanding of who he was. I struggled. One of my big frustrations was that, how can I communicate who God is to the Sudanese people? I want to talk about, you know, the, the beautiful sunrise. We can't really see it because it's so sandy or... You know, the beauty of the, the birds singing in the air. Well, there really weren't any trees around us. So like, it was just like everything I felt like I wanted to grab, I couldn't. And so God, you know, very gently pulls me aside and says, it's because you don't know me very well. There's more I want to teach you about me. And so just my, my mind just expanded on who God is, his sovereignty, how he controls everything, how he was so near to my life. So I... I love so much of Sudan, but that's when I had to encounter when hard times come, God means to do awesome things in it and in your own life. The scripture says that you can bear witness and that people are around you. People are going to be watching. But the other line in our passage today, it says that by the very um, endurance, you gain your life. And he's talking about eternal life that by your endurance, you gain your life. So there's a lot to be said for the enduring of hardship and what you're going through. That it's not just a, I wanna get this done. I want this to be over with. We have to press in and see what God has for us in that moment and in the endurance, then we gain so much of the Lord. And I love that, it's such a beautiful picture one of the things that's really hard on my heart this morning is that if Jesus isn't enough for you right now in your hardship and in your suffering, I'm really afraid that he's not going to be enough of a reward when he comes back. Hmm. And I'll say that again. If Jesus isn't enough right now for you in your hardship, I'm afraid that when he returns, he won't seem like much of a reward. He's a reward for me because I know him. He comes to me all the time. I mean, we sing this song, we will watch, we will pray, you know, come Lord Jesus. And that's part of my life. That's part of my story. So the reward of Jesus is so awesome because it's gonna be a relationship fulfilled. So part of becoming ready is, part, is enjoying Jesus now, experiencing Jesus now, 
And he shows up in our suffering, if we'll allow him to. We can distract ourselves. We can keep ourselves busy. We can push away. We can get bitter and be resentful and come up with all kinds of ways to oppose the work of Jesus in our lives. But Jesus asks us to lean into that, draw near to God, and he will draw near to us. And there is a revelation that's so profound that he will give you that it just means like, I want to see Jesus now, except for the loss. There's too many loss for him to come right now. But he is coming again, and I hope that you are preparing yourself to meet him. Thanks, Shel. Shelly mentioned it, but I want to reiterate, how do you embrace hardship? You abide in Jesus. She talked about Job wrestled with God and, and talked with him. And, and so if you're new to the thought of abiding, of spending time with Jesus, there's an abide daily guide in your seat back. I encourage you to take it home, read it this afternoon. Start abiding tomorrow. As you abide in Jesus, you can walk through whatever hardship that might come. So how do we get ready for the return of King Jesus? We, we ready ourselves by not being concerned with earthly possessions. We stay calm. We we embrace hardship, but we also need to make sure that we're seeking the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In the passage, Jesus says that we're going to, he'll give us the words to say, to speak, to, to bear witness of him. And how does that happen? But through the Holy Spirit speaking through us. So next year, we're going to get into the book of Acts and we'll talk a lot about Holy Spirit empowerment, but don't wait till then. So if you've got questions about Holy Spirit baptism, take a connect card from your seat back fill out your name and, and ask that question and we'll have that conversation. We want to encourage you in your walk with King Jesus. If you want to stay calm, if you want to embrace hardship, you need the Holy Spirit in your life to do it. And so we want to encourage you, seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit, seek to live an empowered life. That's the only way that you can really be ready for the return of King Jesus in the way that he asks us. But the other way that we do that, how do we get ready is we need to choose mission over comfort. As we follow Jesus, part of what he's relaying here is stay awake. Beware of this kind of particular life that you don't just concern yourself with the cares of this world, he would say. And so how do we do that? We stay on mission for Jesus and choose that over comfort. We live in a culture that idolizes comfort. You want to store up for retirement to have a comfortable life after full-time employment. You, you want to pursue advancement in your career to, to have more resources so that you can be more comfortable. There's lots of ways that our culture would convey to us, pursue a life of comfort. But over and over, what Jesus emphasizes, he says, look, to live in my kingdom, to be ready for my return, you've got to pursue a life of mission. And I would say, as we talk about living that extraordinary life, extraordinary life is not a comfortable life. Extraordinary life is a life on mission for King Jesus. So are we ready for his return by living on mission instead of, instead of just pursuing comfort? And then the final thing we find, I love how this passage concludes, that every night, and this is the final week of Jesus leading up to the cross, he says every night he would go to the mount called Olivet, and every morning he would return to the temple area to teach, and people would gather to hear what he had to say. So how do we return, or how do we prepare for the return of King Jesus? We make sure that we make it a habit to regularly gather and take a look at God's word, that we're wanting to make sure that we embed the, the stories and the message of Jesus in our lives. It's important that we regularly gather because it helps us remain steadfast. I love how Jeremy pointed out that in that firehouse, they hold each other accountable to being ready. It's the same thing for the body of Christ. Why do we need the body? To help us to be accountable to live a ready life in Jesus' name. So it says in Hebrews that we spur each other on to love and good works. I love that. 
So it's important. Don't just be here a week or two a month. Try to be here and embed yourselves as a part of the community of Connection Point Church. Be here on a Sunday. Be a part of a connect group. Get to know others who can encourage you in your faith because you are sure to face hardship. And so when hardship comes, who do you have to lean on? Yes, we have God, but it's also nice to have a brother or sister in the faith. For us to be ready for the return of King Jesus, we need not concern ourselves with earthly possessions. We've got to stay calm. We've got to make sure we seek the the Holy Spirit empowerment in our lives. We have to be willing to embrace and endure hardship. We've got to pursue mission over comfort, and, and we've got to make it a priority to regularly gather and be able to live on mission for him as a community of faith. It's important. There are many passages that we find in, in Scripture where Jesus talks about end times and him coming again. One of my favorite is Matthew 24, 14. If you were here for our missions conference last November, Dick Brogdon was here, and he preached just from this one verse, and I want to share it again with you to leave you with a final thought this morning. And the good news, so Jesus is speaking here, about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. What I have found sometimes is, is people like to concern themselves, well, when will the end be here? In fact, that's the very first thing the disciples ask. Jesus says, not every stone will be turned over. And what do they say? Well, when will this happen? We have this intense desire to sometimes, well, know when are these things going to happen? And, and my encouragement is, is just like anything else in life, it can serve as a distraction to do what we're supposed to do until Jesus comes. Instead of being concerned with when Jesus will come, we need to be concerned with what we're supposed to be doing until he returns. What you find in this passage, I love, there's both the dirt and the divine. There's both a human side and a God side. Too often we've concerned ourselves with the God part, and I say let's concern ourselves with the human part. Here's the God part. The end will come. There's only one who determines that, and it's none of us. So let God determine that for us, but in the meantime, let's do our part, because there's a human part here. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. That's our job. If we want to speed the return of King Jesus, we need to be about his work until he returns. Let's live ready lives. Let's share the good news and know that Jesus is coming again. He's coming. And he knows when the day and the hour, when that will be. And so in the meantime, let's concern ourselves not so much with when he comes, but what we should be doing until he comes. I invite you to stand as we close in song this morning. And as you're standing, maybe you're here today and you'd say, I, I'm really not ready for the return of Jesus. But at the same time, you would say, but I would like to be. I want to be ready for his return. So if that's you this morning, and you'd say, I, I want to be ready for his return, and the way that starts is by you committing your life to Jesus. With every head bowed in this room, I just want to be able to pray with you before we leave today. Anybody here today that would say, I'm not ready, but I want to be ready. So I just want to invite you to simply raise your hand and I'll pray with you before we leave. Anybody would say, that's me. I want to be ready for the return of Jesus. I haven't been before today, but today I want to commit my life to Jesus so that I can be ready for his return. Anybody today that say, that's me over here in the middle. Anybody else that say, that's me. I need to make that decision today to follow Jesus so I'm ready for his return. Over here on the left, anybody else that would say, I need to be ready for that day. I need to be ready for his return. I want to commit my life to him over here on the right. Anybody else that would say, that's me. I want to follow Jesus. I want to be ready for his return. It all starts with you making a decision to follow Jesus and he makes you ready. It's not that we make ourselves ready, it's that he makes us ready. 
God, I just pray for those that raise their hands this morning and say, I want to be ready. I want to be ready by committing my life to Jesus today. God, I just pray that you'd help them to remain steadfast in their journey with you. Lord, as, as we close in song here in a minute, singing about your return, I pray, Jesus, that we would all be concerned with how it is that we can live well in your kingdom and be prepared for your soon coming, our soon coming King. Jesus, I pray for those that raise their hands. I pray, Lord, that they would have a desire to to be able to be connected, closely connected in community here with another believer so that they might be able to journey with you for a lifetime to remain steadfast in that decision. And God, I pray that you would help all of us to be ready for your return. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. For those that raise their hands, uh, we'll probably have a prayer team member that will come alongside you just to say, hey, we'd love to pray with you and give you a Bible and information on where you go from here. Because we don't want to leave you just in that decision alone. We really want you to journey with Jesus for a lifetime. That's why we're here. We're here to help each other do that and do it well. And I would say for all of us, as we begin to sing, you know, on the back of your programs, there's always a statement in response to this message, I will. Those points are very easy. Maybe it's, I will remain calm. Maybe it's, I will embrace hardship as, as part of the path of living in the kingdom. Maybe it's, I'm, I'm not going to be concerned with these earthly possessions. Whatever it is for you today, I just pray that you would sit in that, allow the Holy Spirit to speak that to your heart so that you might walk away with an application you can make this week because it's through application that transformation occurs in your life. God changes you from the inside out, so let him do that work. But what's required for that to happen is that we walk in obedience to his word. But let's sing. And if you raise your hand, just know someone's going to come along and ask, hey, we want to give you a Bible and information on where you go from here.